Sup guys. Hi. It is the first episode back since our not too bad but our long hiatus. Yes. <laughs> oh my word, it's actually sad to say but it was like it was hectic. Was it? It wasn't the whole of April. No, <clears throat> we still posted in April, but it was May. Yeah, May, June, June and like on, basically almost basically July. July. Yeah, because yeah. literally last week of July, and we're posting our first episode. Um, but yeah, like we're so glad to be back, and it's been a long few months. But I'm sure everybody can agree that it it did go pretty fast. It, we're already like in the second semester, second half of the year. So we're hoping to be consistent and we have new topics for you guys, which is very exciting. And yeah, today's topic is types of feminism. And we're starting off with part one, which is history. Okay, so I'm just gonna give a little rundown of <clears throat> the four main types of feminism and we're going to be discussing mainly one type in our first part mm. and in part two we're going to be going into uh, the three others because they interlink yeah but i wanted to give a holistic definition of the four most basic types of feminism the first one and it's probably the most recent one that we've seen is radical feminism um, radical feminism blames the exploitation of women on men and says it is primarily men who have benefited from the subordination of women due to the patriarchy so radical feminism is believing on believing in the superiority of femininity and is kind of bordering on um, misandry uh, but <laughs> And also like dismantling the entire system instead of mm. trying to like work within or, like, the system. Work within the system. So instead of trying to work within the patriarchy or within you know the system that benefits men, radical feminism is saying wants to break let's it, demolish you know? everything and yes. rebuild like from the beginning. So that's radical. Then we have Marxist feminism. Marxist feminism states that capitalism rather than the patriarchy is the principal source of women's oppression and that capitalists are the main beneficiaries so marxist feminism focuses more on the economic aspect of like inequalities mm. and you i don't know i think it's a very interesting line of thought to look at i think that we should go into <clears throat> the types of feminisms that we most closely relate to or that we most closely uh not are governed by or that that we, hold most yeah, sentiment to because us because i would really not agree with this one like i think as soon as you started mm. like saying the definition i'm already like mm. yes, lots because of things like, are not adding up there yes and that's that's why it's interesting to see these lines of thought and what's also interesting is that when someone says they're a feminist 
like it's a very you realize it's a very blanketed statement because mm. you don't know which subcategory like what type of fem- exactly like into. what type of feminist because and i think i'm not trying to say that any type of feminism is inherently wrong so if you follow this like if you're a marxist feminist, like you're feminist if you believe that capitalism is the root of all evil like i'm not trying to tell you that you're wrong this is just my opinion and like how i feel but i think that it is important for us to have feminists in all the spaces do you know what i'm saying yes like we can't all be one ourselves everywhere so. like we need to be oh no yes. do you know what i'm saying yes. like like obviously we'll be intersectional feminists but then they need to be feminists in the capitalist circles they need to be feminists in the radical circles they need to be feminists mm-hmm. in the queer circles like you know what i'm trying to well, say I, I i like that i like that view um of things because I think that yeah it's it's very it's all encompassing and something about feminism is even if the sentiment isn't something that you 100% share mm. like you're saying with how you feel about marxist feminism it's still like an aspect and it has valid points it does that's what i'm saying it's not like it's a an entire right off but i myself wouldn't align with it mm. but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't or that it's completely wrong. Yeah, so Marxist feminists coming back to like definitively. Mm. Um in a communist society Marxist feminists believe that gender inequalities would disappear. So that's what I'm saying it's a very interesting thing to look at mm. and it is something that we will be discussing in part 2. But now we're going to define liberal feminism. This is the third one I'm defining. And liberal feminism states that nobody benefits from existing inequalities that both men and women are harmed um it is kind of, it's a very like equalist type of view mm. it's like those people who are like um at, this is this is the picture that i get like when this one says the word feminism it's like the woman who's like no i'm not a feminist i believe in equal rights and yeah like, babe, yes. <laughs> that is what feminism like you're, is you're so close yet so far <laughs> yeah so it's that's liberal feminism. Um liberal feminists do not seek revolutionary changes. They want changes to take place within the existing structure. And then the last uh definition and the last like I don't know big umbrella feminist structure is postmodern feminism, which does not see women as a single homogenous group. it criticizes um, all of these other feminist theories for claiming a false universality which means it puts everyone under the same umbrella regardless of um like your race group mm. regardless of your financial status regardless of all of these like different groupings and aspects which essentially everyone has a unique experience based on i don't know the randomizations that you get yeah right based on like subcategories because you would think that like okay we're all in the category of women okay so that means that we face the same struggles why not why do you want to divide it even more mm. but like cake is saying de- based on your subcategory you can experience a very different form of oppression to like okay like for us personally we're POC women right so mm. our experience with oppression and misogyny is very different to a white woman yeah. you know and then there's also queer women like their experiences with um oppression is very different to straight women so 
it doesn't mean that because we're all women or because we're all feminists that we're all being protected in the same way by feminism by feminism mm-hmm. and i guess what postmodern feminism is trying to say is that intersectionality is very important and it's something that was neglected in the previous waves of feminism so yes that's true and i think in order to come to the very i don't know advanced thought of postmodern feminism you have to go back and look at how everything emerged historically and where we started the most basic mm. and now T is going to read from an article detailing the history of feminism and its first and second waves and I want to see if y'all are listening <laughs> I want to see if you can see out of the four definitions that I gave which type of feminism is emerging okay so the article that I'm reading from is on humanrightscareers.com um and it's called types of feminism the four waves so if you guys want to read that like by all means look it up fact check please always say this like don't mm. just take what we say and be like that that's right like that's right mm. or don't just take what we say and be like that's wrong that's wrong like mm. you guys need to do your own fact checking and educate yourselves as much as you can so we're giving you the resources please do that um so it starts with the first wave and it says the first wave in the late 19th century was not the first appearance of feminist ideals but it was the first real political movement for the western world and then it goes into a lot of like very old history like 17 1700s so we're going to skip that um and it says they came up with 12 resolutions asking for specific rights such as the right to vote and reproductive rights also became an important issue for early feminists um first wave feminism had a fairly simple goal have society recognize that women are humans not property while the leaders of first wave feminism were abolitionists their focus was on white women's rights mm. this exclusion would haunt feminism for years to come so this is where we start to say that like this was the baseline of feminism like this is where it really started to emerge as like a political and social movement like it yeah. always existed but didn't have a name it like, didn't have a name it didn't have a platform mm, and mm. it didn't have the numbers backing it so as the article states that this was basically where pe- women were just trying to be like hey like we're also people can we please have rights can we please you know not be treated as our husbands or the men in our lives property yeah and not like a like instead like of saying object, you're you're this one's wife like just say my name like you know what i mean but like also the the things of like bank accounts reproductive rights mm-hmm. like that's what things. but that's what i'm saying in the in the abstract view like you exist as an individual exactly. not as a like an entity of yes exactly <clears throat> and you know it's so funny because people find this to be such a huge thing to reconcile themselves with especially men like men literally forget that women were not allowed to do anything without their male counterpart counterpart like you literally could have some essence like yeah. your father or your husband you couldn't have anything to your name without a male signature on it you couldn't have you know you had no say over your reproductive rights at all let's not even talk about what's happening now like back in the day you yeah. had no say over mm-hmm. like any part mm-hmm. of your reproductive rights and yeah we basically treated as property as like objects as second class citizens 
that belong to someone else. And like, it's so funny because in like, not a, in a very lighthearted way, like the origin of Mrs. is basically yes. like the misters, yes. like you're the misters property. And it's so funny because men find it so stupid. They're like, oh, what a weird thing to get offended about, like your title. Like, why are you getting upset that people but call it's like, it's like your title. It's and like... it's because they don't know the history. They're mm-hmm. uneducated. Mm-hmm. They literally just think that that's how it is, Mr. and Mrs. But they don't know what that acronym mm-hmm. actually, or that, that shorthand actually stands for. And that's why in the recent years, um, just how men get like the blanket title, um, as Mr. Mm-hmm. Now you now get a blanket title of Miss. Yes, the one with just MS. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. So that's the difference between putting M I S S and then M S mm-hmm. as your title is that with M I S S that's the one where you're indicating your like you know, unmarried married status. But with M S it's like the neutral term, which I think is It's like unchanging. And, and this is something like before I was there with um I don't know as a third year law student and a podcast under my belt. <laughs> Before any of that, I used to sit there as someone in primary school and wonder why for our male teachers, it's just Mr. Like, you don't know. I'm like, oh, how come I, mean, I don't know whether you know this person is married or not? And then for our, like, woman, our female teachers, exactly. we had to, like, know. I was like, yeah, that's, like, weird. And then, like... That came up in my mind before I was aware of the, the misgivings and the shortcomings of the world. And this is where we're going to link it back because you feel nowadays in like the postmodernist culture where we've like tried to, or where we've moved forward from, okay, we recognize women as people. So that's like something we've mm. um, accomplished. But like these things tie back because you're mm, like like these there's these little like yes, spots because in this, this and like Mrs. thing comes from first wave feminism yes. we were still trying to like you know develop ourselves like as, autonomy as, as independent people mm, mm. and it's something that carried through until this day like we're only now uh, abolishing the Mrs. thing and like bringing in the MS and it's 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 not something that. Um, women are very keen on which is very odd i don't understand that and like, i don't know why and you know what it also is with it's with the surname thing where they're like yes. i want to change my surname i'm like so keen on changing but i also never got that i'm like okay so when you get married like are you now like you become property of the other family you know what though like i think this is going to be a <clears throat> hot debate because something we should discuss in the postmodern feminist uh, in part two of this podcast mm. is choice feminism because the choice feminist girlies are going to come for you on that one they're mm. going to be like well it doesn't matter we should be able to choose we know the repercussions no yeah I mean there's, there's and choice feminism and yeah. <laughs> I think there's a huge movement going on right now it's like the it's like pushing forward that is trying to like silence choice feminism because mm. Because of how detrimental it is to women. Mm. Like sometimes you have to recognize that even though we are fighting for women and we are women, mm. or we can't always or we don't always make the best choices for ourselves. Mm. And like and Yeah, you know what? Within um discussions of different types of feminism, we're gonna
And the reason why we don't class choice feminism as like a feminism of its own. Mm. And a this is a little too many flaws in the structure base. That's what I'm saying. It, it came up really quickly <clears throat> and now it's dying off really quickly. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, so choice feminism, I think, is problematic. And people are seeing that because of the fact that it is making... It's like it's like a reverse cycle. It's but very exactly weird. because you see women taking steps back with their choice feminism. Mm. Whereas, like, I was talking to my mom about this one day, and I was saying, you know, how it's so popular on TikTok and Instagram now to be like, I'm gonna be a sugar baby, and I'm gonna be a housewife, and my husband's mm. gonna be really rich, and I'm not gonna have to work. And the choice feminist girlies eat this up, like they love it. They're like, yeah, do you? Like, you're a housewife. Or like, it's you your should choice. be able to choose to do that. And then you sit there, and I spoke to my mom, um, someone who came from a time when our grandparents and her parents were actually housewives and were actually living mm. this life that she and had to and had to you know they have a choice but my mom was like you know it's not as glamorous as you think it is and no matter what you think your partner is like no matter how much you trust them no matter what you think this modern day and age affords you you're always in that position you're always going to be disadvantaged like Yes, you are not gonna have I'm the disadvantage by choice type of thing. Yes, because, and it's weird because now, like, if if anything happens, you don't have the means to get yourself mm, out of that mm, situation. Mm. You don't have the means to look after yourself. You don't have the means. And woman, like, if you're a, a fellow woman or a person in feminist circles, you know how many women get trapped in relationships yes. because of the fact that they don't have the financial stability. Yes, and I'm like, okay, that's at the core what choice feminism takes away it takes away what was fought for in the very exactly it's like going backwards it's it's completely breaking down the like foundation aspect of feminism which is having an essence of individuality because listen you don't see men out there doing the same thing you know what i mean it's it's not there like you know, this is this is your like choice, and if you want to be complete, like like this, just listen. Just this is what I always do. I'm like, if something sounds weird, but I feel like I'm not gonna get the point across, I just turn the tables, and I'm like, okay, if you were there to a man, like no, but you literally like be completely reliant on another person, and like don't like fend for yourself in any way and just completely rely on them financially and like everything will work out fine and it's obvious to see why there's faults to that because as um t said if you end up in an emergency situation or that person is like goes away from your life your dependence you know what i think we should say is like if men aren't doing it why are we doing it Mm. and it's like Like that's that's what you were saying that's it's like if you turn the tables if men are not willingly submitting themselves to a like high earning wife and becoming house Mm. dads or it's like hashtag it's your choice type of thing then why are we doing it like there must be something that they can see that they're doing and that is the fact that like you want that independence and individuality exactly exactly individual autonomy because like you are like one person you're not an aspect of someone else yeah you know what i mean i think this like is a very good transition into second second wave wave. so second wave basically was it says 
took place in the 60s and 70s and it built on first wave feminism by challenging a woman's role in society mm -hmm. and it was inspired by the civil rights movements and protests against the Vietnam War and activists focused on the institutions that held women back. The, this meant taking a closer look at why women were oppressed, traditional gender and family roles were questioned and queer theory became more established. And it says here that this is where I don't know if this is accurate, but it says that this is where the three main types of feminism emerged, which is mainstream, liberal, mm. radical, and cultural. And then it gives the definitions. Should we go into the definitions? I think we... I just want to like um, emphasize when T said radical and stuff. It was, the, it was the very baseline emergings because first and second wave was predominantly, and yes, I asked y'all, <laughs> to sit there and guess what type of feminism this was and if you thought in your mind oh this is liberal feminism then yes you yeah. are correct that's first and second wave is predominantly liberal second wave saw a little bit of the radical uh, feminist movement also cultural with the thought of like what is actually the issue and then cultural feminism also emerged and it's a subcategory but i i will give the definition of cultural feminism mm -hmm. um so cultural feminism is a view that there is the that that female nature and female essence and like the stereotypical um position of femininity in society cultural feminism goes against that yeah like opposes that yeah um and it's it just like you know the the static views of like what a mother should be and what what a woman, a should, woman be, should be submissive and what a girlfriend and this and that like yeah, all soft. the feminine roles yes, that yeah. are played um it aims to challenge that culture mm. yeah as in the name um so it's, it's very interesting to see and also the article that we were reading was um, American leaning, American based, because it was talking about like the Vietnam War protests. And yeah, civil, civil rights. Civil it's rights it's stuff. yeah. We don't mean to say that like this is global, a global stance, mm -hmm. because this is a very American article. So don't take this as like what was happening in yeah. South Africa at the time. I think we can also say like this is a very like Western leaning yeah feminism, but we will be <laughs> criticizing this in. Um, the parts to come in South Africa at the time. I we were dealing with the we, we were like, dealing with the party. We weren't even at the place, and the only ones who were afforded the like liberal feminism was white women. Mm. So any other um, racial group wasn't afforded any wave of feminism. Yeah, and. Because but of, not to be confused, they were feminists. It's they just, were it feminists. Wasn't, it mm. wasn't, our it wasn't a supported movement, yeah, and it, it wasn't, wasn't like the priority. Yeah, racial like racial right. equality took the yeah, like was the leading the forefront, the leading um, choice. Because at the time, I mean, it's it's so sad because you think like you have to choose between two aspects. Yeah, of the side, you like have that. to choose between your race or your gender. And they're both really like important and grounding parts of your identity. This is the thing though. Like 
something that I've realized because I sit and I think about this you can change almost any aspect of who you are as an individual um, you can change your gender orientation you can change your like class status you can change the financial group that you're sitting in but something that you can't change is where you sit racially yeah and that's why because i was like why is this something that has been in society since like the beginning of time why is this racial boundary something that has been so cemented and that's because you can't you can't change your race yeah and that is something that comes with yeah like some things are very well well not very but easier to step out into like economically i would say giving like a very simple example just think about white men and white women yeah like white women suffer at the hands of men because of misogyny right but they still benefit to the max out mm-hmm. of society because they're white racially yeah. they're only like real oppressor if we have to be honest is, is a white man. man yeah so white women <clears throat> can be the oppressors and the oppressed they can oppress women and men of color and then they are oppressed mm. by white mm. like men you know what i'm saying and not to say that misogyny towards white women is in any way like being diluted or watered down i don't mean to say like they don't face the same misogyny and it's not mm. as bad but the example that i'm trying to give is based on racial but yeah and like i status. think i think what also sets postmodern feminism apart from the rest and it's it is a more recent one i mean it's the most recent and it's because it's very abstract it's not something that would have emerged in you know the first thought of individuality and everything because it's a criticism on other feminist theory mm. it's very critical thinking like you have yes. to have a level of critical thinking to mm. get to that point mm. and it's something actually in um in our legal degree when there's the certain module that we take called jurisprudence which means legal philosophy and it looks into the different like aspects of of legal in a social political and economical sphere and you look at the balance of everything and um i wrote a uh, an essay comparing different legal theories and critical feminist theory was in there and it was very much from a postmodern stance mm. where it was like this recognizes the flaws within each feminist system yeah and looks for a way to change it mm. um but going back to historically where south africa was in what would be the first and second wave of western feminism you can see why there's there were reasons that like racially mm. it was more focused on and the racial issues were more focused on and that's something that um postmodern feminism is kind of giving yeah. a mic to and i think it's very important for us to say that because at our core we are not eurocentric <laughs> we are not like we're not like pro west and all no not at all <laughs> like mm, please listen to my our criticisms on on we have a america an american yeah. dream <laughs> and just yeah um yeah but i think that i hope that this isn't incorrect but i it's like it's like a south african experience especially in the feminist circles we are like we're behind like we're catching mm. up quickly in these past few years but we we will 
very much behind the West <clears throat> when it came to the different theories of feminism. Like we were, we were like <laughs> moving through all the theories in like the shortest space of time yes. to like catch no, up. No, because that is actually true. Now think about the fact that in South Africa, um, while people were rectifying some of like individual intricacies based on like gender and stuff, we were fighting on all fronts. Yeah, we were fighting on all fronts. Like we, there was no way to change your economic status. Mm. There was no way for you to like move forward racially. Mm. So you you're fighting at the most baseline. Yeah, of things. we're fight- fighting on like so many fronts here. Yeah, and. I hope that for our international listeners and even for here at home, it's like you can understand why we prioritize race and our like racial struggle firstly because it was like the biggest political movement yeah. that was happening and it was the thing that the apartheid government was creating all the laws around yes, that yeah. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so we're coming to the end of part one. Yep, so, um, yeah, as you've like heard, there will be a part two. Next week's episode is going to be part two, which I think is third and fourth wave. Third and fourth wave feminism, and that's where we're going to go into radical and Marxist. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening to our first comeback episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and as always... Our Instagram is TNK Podcast, and we will see you in the next one. We will see you. Hope you'll have a good week. Bye. Bye.